I'm Pat Shea. And I'm Mary Teresa Archbold. And we're so happy to be back in your ears. Happy November, everyone. Yes, the weather's getting cooler. The leaves are falling. We picked apples. Uh, We ate. We stole a lot of our children's candy. I did not. I will want to be clear. I stole a lot of our children's candy. (laughs) And, And that was really exciting because New York last year, we didn't get to do Halloween. So this was a... Wow. Epic. It was a double Halloween. Oh my gosh. Thousands of kids in the street, literally, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Thousands of kids wall to wall in the streets. It was like, I'm from Colorado and there's a, at University of Colorado on Pearl Street Mall, there's this thing called Mall Crawl. Mall Crawl on Halloween, where it's just, it's almost on a Mardi Gras level. That was the neighborhood right next to us in Queens. And um, yeah, it was epic. Yeah. And we want to give a big shout out to our winner of the $50 to of John's crazy socks.com. Emily M is our winner. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. And thank you to all who have subscribed to our mailing list. We will be sending out information. You will be the first to know about some goodies that will be dropping in January. Yes. And if you're interested in joining our mailing list, funnyparentspodcast.com and just subscribe. Exactly. And of course, you can always drop by our Facebook page, funny, uh, facebook.com slash funnyparents. So now we have another story that we captured at the Funny Parents Live event a few weeks ago. Another story from a Kate. This time, it is a story from Kate James. Kate James is a fantastic performer, writer, and is currently a writer and performer on season two of Showtime's Work in Progress. If you have not seen yeah. this show starring Abby Bacchanetti, please do yourself a favor and watch it. Abby and Tim, who helped uh, was uh, create, create it, the yeah. show, are phenomenal human beings, and Kate, as well as a phenomenal human being, person, performer, mom. And her story, if there's a story that kind of encapsulates my life right now, Mm -hmm. it's this one. Yeah. Uh, The story of the family's all been locked together for 18 months, and now the children are back in school. What on earth is going on in there? How do I know what they're doing every moment of the day? This is Kate telling the story of how she found out what was going on. Okay. Um, So before I begin, I need to state that the names of everyone who appears in this story have been changed to protect the innocent. And they actually really are innocent because they're first graders. Therefore, this is not a super salacious story or like a crime-ridden story. Um, but I just needed to get that out there because I need to follow the live podcast storytelling code of ethics that I just now made up. So everybody is appearing as a different person, although my name, my husband Steve's name, my son Thomas's name, shout out to the Thomases of the world, strong name. Um, we all appear with our own names because I have absolutely no problem exploiting my own family. <laughs> I'm like, what are those two fuckers gonna do? Fire me? Like, good luck. Okay, so <clears throat> it all started with an email from the principal. 
Thank you for that gas. <laughs> it arrived at 4.55 p.m. on October 6th. The title, Maker Lab Incident, Miss Melvin's Class. Now here's some context before I go on. Miss Melvin is my son Thomas's first grade teacher, and the Maker Lab is a room in the school where the kids do hands-on experiments and they can build stuff or at least that's what I've been told, because thanks to the pandemic, I've never set foot in my son's school except to vote. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, the email read as follows. Dear families, today around 1 p.m., while Miss Melvin's class was in the Maker Lab with Miss Reynolds, some students from our co-located school were in an area that they should not have been near that room. Okay, author's note at this point, so you know what's going on. The building that houses my son's elementary school is shared by a junior high that occupies the upper floors of that building. Okay, in our house, we refer to those individuals as the big kids. <laughs> so back to the email. It was reported that a bottle of soda was thrown from the hallway and went into the open door of the maker lab. This may have startled some students, and Ms. Reynolds closed the door and called the main office so that the staff and the, of the other school could immediately address the situation. I have been made aware that the students may have been identified at this point, and my colleague upstairs is taking necessary measures. I will learn more details as she finishes gathering this information, as always. I'm available to take any questions. <laughs> Principal Grayson. Now, I don't know about all of you, but I live for any glimpse into what happens in my son's life during the six to eight hours a day, depending on after school activities, that he is not with me. When I ask him about his school days, I get the following answers. Good. <laughs> it was good. Okay. And I already told you, Mama. <laughs> now, it has been downright bizarre to go from spending every waking pandemic-laden minute with my son, including his entire remote kindergarten year and this past summer, only to then suddenly drop him off somewhere where he lives a life without me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love that my son goes somewhere now, away from me, where he can't touch me, okay? I like this. But I am out of practice at the art of not knowing every single detail about his life. So when a juicy email like this shows up on one of the 8,000 apps I had to download to get various school communications, I am all over this shit, okay? It is a clue. It is an opening. It is a way in. It is like the best blind item in my favorite celebrity gossip rag. Okay, so I finished reading the email, and I already have a million questions, okay? Like anybody would who just received the hottest piece of first grade goss. Okay, you know there had to have been some drama in order for the principal to reach out. By sending this email, he acknowledges what we all know in this room to be true, and that is the quickest way to lose control of a group of parents 
is to let five and six-year-olds go home and tell their version of the story first. You don't want that. You have to get ahead of the story. You gotta control the narrative. So in this moment, I tip my hat to Principal Grayson for knowing what up, okay? Now let me say for the record, I was never ever concerned about the incident, okay? I never worried for Thomas's safety or thought he was in, in any danger in any way. My interest lied in hearing my son's account of the story because it truly cracked me up that a projectile soda bottle would prompt an email home to all of these parents, right? In the middle of like the high stakes global pandemic that we're living in, right? It reminded me of the days when I used to work in an office and all of a sudden an email would appear in your inbox stating, please be considerate when microwaving overly fragrant fruits in the break room. Remember we all share the space. Which would then mean I would immediately text three of my bitchiest coworkers so that we could speculate on who was the perpetrator and who was the narc. So here I am. Now, I don't know about your kids or how old they are in this room, but with Thomas, if you want information, you have to you have to like proceed with care, okay? You can't let him know how much you want it. Like a high school boy asking his crush out, he's gotta be like, you know, it's just like maybe you wanna go out, or I don't know, it's like not really a day, but like some people are gonna be there, but like if you can't go, it's totally fine, because it's like a big group thing, it's not even like a really big deal, but it's like if you wanna be there, it's like, cool, 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 right? Whenever I start peppering Thomas with questions, he clams up like a guilty six-year-old con who knows the pleading the fifth is the only way to go. I've discovered that it helps to be distracted, doing something else while you engage, so that no direct eye contact is made. For if he looks into my eyes and sees my gaping raw vulnerability, I've already lost. So you guys would have been so impressed because I didn't bring up the incident the entire walk home. I thought maybe he'll offer, he'll offer some deets as we're scooting home, no dice. So when we get home, I play it very cool and I suggest we FaceTime Nana during dinner knowing full well that my mom will say, tell me something about school today. And he'll be so distracted by eating a cheese quesadilla for the 38th time this week and actually answer her question. <laughs> Nanas get all the good intel, we know this. And yes, I use my mother for this express purpose, just as I will happily play this role for Thomas if and when he chooses to have children in the future. So Nana, listen to this. Today in Maker Lab, here we go. <laughs> Some of the big kids who weren't supposed to be on the floor with us, they threw a bottle into the room. Miss Reynolds had to close the door. At first, I was nervous because I thought a bird had flown into the room. <laughs> but then it was just a bottle. It hit the floor really loud. Winnie saw one of the boys who did it, and so she got to talk to the teachers after. Thomas then went on to ask his Nana bigger questions like, why do kids do things like this? Why would they go to a part of the school they weren't supposed to? Were they trying to scare the little kids? I tried to casually jump in with a follow-up question. I was immediately denied. <laughs> then my husband Steve came home and Thomas relayed the story to him. His story was consistent, but this time he added, Miss Reynolds was really nervous. Oh, were you nervous, Steve asked? No, not really. 
A few hours later, Marcus's mom texted about something other than the incident, but the, at the end of our exchange added, BTW, Marcus told me that he and Thomas both cried and were worried that they would be killed by the bottle that was thrown into the room. That is the exact response I wanted, right? It is so ridiculous and also so sad that these children are afraid of everything right now, so why wouldn't they be scared of a flying pot bottle? Okay, sorry, soda, I'm from Michigan. Um, okay, so I think, huh, they both cried and thought they would be killed. So I circle back, very throwaway, doing the dishes, no eye contact, cash, cash, cash. Remember, he doesn't know that I received the email. Never reveal your sources. Again, very cash. That uh, bottle story that you told Nana and Dada was really interesting. That must have been surprising. I would have been startled. Did you cry? No. Did anybody cry? Long pause. No. Keep loading the dishwasher. Don't look up. Don't blurt out. That's not what Marcus said. <laughs> Do not intimidate the witness. The next morning at drop-off, after the kids lined up and marched into my designated polling location, the parent chit-chat naturally turned toward the incident. I asked Lacey's mom what Sorry, real name. I asked Lacey's mom what Lacey had to say. Don't tell. Don't tell. I asked Lacey's mom what Lacey had to say because Lacey is a mini adult and frankly the only first grader that I trust for straight dope. If I was a cop, if I was a cop, Lacey would be my go-to informant. She would be my huggy bear. Did I age myself with that? Good. Apparently. Lacey was overflowing with color commentary for her parents. Must be nice. Lacey's report included the following tidbits. Number one, after everyone calmed down, Colin said that he had to duck at the last minute because the bottle almost hit him in the head. Lacey confirmed that the bottle went nowhere near Colin's head, and he was just saying that to get attention. Two, she said that Thomas cried. And then Marcus cried too, but only so that Thomas didn't feel bad about crying. Oh. <laughs> Number three, she confirmed that Winnie saw a part of the boy and he was wearing a black sweatshirt. At which point, Lacey's older sister declared, all big kids wear black sweatshirts, so that's not helpful at all. Gotta <laughs> love an older sister chime in that makes you feel bad about your own story. That's cool. Number four, Ms. Reynolds kept the bottle, and when the kids asked her why, she said, because it's evidence. <laughs> Lacey said, with the weight and awe that it deserved, evidence. Thankfully, after, that school, after school that day, Thomas said something about the big kids again, and it allowed me to circle back to my star witness and verify some of the new intel I had procured that morning. So did, did Marcus cry? No, Mama, nobody cried. I was now so amused that each of these six-year-olds had a wildly different take on this event, like some sort of elementary school Rashomon. I wanted all the perspectives. 
When we arrived at the playground, I told Gregory's mom that I had stumbled upon the idea to tell this story at today's event. A true crime witness investigation of the incident, Law and Order SBU, special bottle unit. As the boys played, I asked her what Gregory said about the most infamous airborne soda bottle in all of Brooklyn. She reported that Gregory had given a very factual no-frills account of the event when he got home from school, but when bedtime rolled around, he wanted to talk about it more and express that he was actually really worried about what had happened that day. He said a few of them saw part of the boy who did it, that Winnie got to talk to the teachers afterwards. I'm now imagining that they brought in some sort of police sketch artist for this. <laughs> I'm now thinking, does Winnie need protection after this incident? And he also noted that Ms. Reynolds looked really scared when it happened. I shared with Gregory's mom the various accounts that I had collected, and she was now intrigued about what he might tell me. As Gregory came over to grab a snack from the bag, his mom gave me the good cop, bad cop, deep nod tap out, and wandered over to help her younger son. I considered how to approach witness number four. So I was uh, talking to Thomas about what happened in the maker lab yesterday. That must have been surprising. Direct eye contact was okay with Gregory because I do not make his breakfast or regularly ask him to slow down and take his time wiping his butt. <laughs> Gregory opens with, well, Thomas was really scared. He cried. And then Thomas started using his silly voice, you know, to try to make me laugh. He was going like, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. Why do you think he did that? And I said, well, I don't know for sure, but when I'm not positive about what's going on, I feel nervous and sometimes I make jokes and maybe that's why. Were you nervous? Uh, no, no, I wasn't nervous. But I think Thomas, Thomas gets spooked easily. You know what I mean? Spooked. <laughs> yeah, I said, he gets that from his dad. <laughs> I didn't really say that, but the idea that I could have said that makes me laugh really hard, so I couldn't say Gregory ran off to join Thomas on the slide, and my investigation of the incident came to a close as a new notification arrived on the app about a possible positive COVID case in the school. Being a parent in this time is so much fun, isn't it? <laughs> ah, and so begins a new chapter of parenthood for us. One where my son has a full life of danger, intrigue, suspense, flying beverages, and alleged crying. One that he doesn't necessarily have to tell me about, even though I will desperately want him to. But in fairness, I didn't really tell him I was coming to a bar in Astoria to tell a group of strangers about the incident in the Maker Lab. <laughs> and if you tell him that I cried, I will deny it. There's a good chunk of me listening to that story that is so envious because <laughs> there was a timely email from the principal. And Kate's school had an amazing email sent out immediately about the incident at Makerspace. Yes, about a soda bottle. Love it. Love it. Amazing. Love it. 
Love it. Yeah. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did listening to it. Yeah. And we hope that your kids are sharing all the details of their day. And if they're not, that they too have a friend who tells you everything <laughs> on the side. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great story. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.